his car by my daddy and a loaded shotgun. I got grounded for three months, but boy, it was worth it. He wasn't but seventeen himself that time. She sighed, savoring the moment. Old Badger was hotter than a two-dollar pistol back then, tearing up dirt tracks, leaving a trail of broken hearts and dented fenders. Face like an angel and hell on wheels. You ever seen one of them early sports cards of him? Uh, no. Woohoo! It'd give you hot flashes just to look at him. There's one of them cards I kept to this day that shows him with his fire suit unzipped to where you can see his curly little chest hair peeping out, and those white pants so tight you could practically read the Trojan wrapper in his pocket. Of course, that fire suit didn't have pockets, as I recall, but you get my drift and him setting there grinning and facing the camera with his legs spread-eagled wide apart, same as he sits in every picture I have ever seen of him right to this day. Like show and tell, I swear, try as you might, you can't help but look. Honey, if that boy was a mind reader, he could not walk past a crowd of women without limping. How evocative, Susie shuddered. Perhaps you can help me. I am trying to locate Mr. Jenkins. I was hoping that you could tell me how to reach him. Lorraine was silent for a few moments. Then she said, Well, your best bet is the post office box. I think the rent on it is paid up anyhow. Of course, even if it isn't, Miss Todd Hunter, the postmistress, will give him the letters anyhow. She's seventy if she's a minute, but she looks at him like a stray dog eye and a drumstick. Perhaps there is a phone number where he could be reached? Oh, he don't like us to give out phone numbers, especially to bill collectors or ladies of a certain age, if you know what I'm saying. Badger says he's a race car driver, not a damn turkey baster. I have a business proposition to discuss with Mr. Jenkins, said Susie, adding ice to her most lawyerly tone. Oh. Well, I reckon you can talk to his daddy, then. That might get a message to him. Mr. Jenkins says he don't care if I give out his number to the older ladies. Reckon he's hoping he'll get some of the overflow. But that hadn't gone well, either. The old man who answered the phone had barely let her say her name before he launched into his spiel. If you're calling about Cloverhoof, our prize Angus Bull... Why, his stud fee is $500 payable in advance. He is a champion. He is wonder... No, sir, it's not about the bull. Well, now, Keeper, our coonhound, ain't won no prizes, but he's the best tracker in three counties, no argument there, and his stud fee is $50 cash money and the pick of the litter. Mr. Jenkins, I'm calling about your son, Badger. Oh. Well, I reckon you'd better talk to him directly, then, said the old man. I don't know what he charges. In the end, Susie consulted a road atlas, left her office in Atlanta, and drove nearly three hours north into the red clay hills of Georgia in search of Marengo, which, Lorraine had assured her, was so small it was only on the map two days a week. Now... She had found it. Parking wasn't a problem.
she told herself. As she surveyed the block of gently decaying storefronts, subsiding into the hill of kudzu behind it. She seemed to be the only person in town. The two-lane blacktop was devoid of traffic, and the town's one stoplight was permanently set on a yellow caution light. In the minute business district, consisting of mostly empty buildings, the Blue Tick Cafe was easy enough to spot a whitewashed cinderblock building with a big plate-glass window framed by two white flower boxes of red geraniums. Susie surveyed the scene, looking for stray dogs. In case she had to order something in the diner, she could always eat the pickle, ask for the rest of the order to go, and then give it to some starving pooch with a cast-iron stomach. Assuming her brightest junior leader...